Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives as usual. Hey, if you're listening to us in Kentucky or Arkansas, Missouri, Illinois, any of those areas that were hit by the series of brutal, deadly tornadoes uh, from Friday into Saturday, know that we're thinking of you, we're praying for you, we hope you're back on your feet soon. And for those of you who have lost loved ones, um, especially at this time of year, our hearts are are definitely going out to you and just a a devastating, devastating situation. And so we... um, we are certainly thinking of you, and uh, uh, we hope that we can provide just a little bit of a distraction here today and in the days going forward. Um, Jim, let's move to our first martini, our good martini. And this has kind of been a consistent good martini over time. Unfortunately, ultimately, it'll probably end up being a bad martini at some point. But as long as it's not happening, it's still a good martini. And that is that the Democrats are looking unlikely at this point to get their build back better bill done by their self-imposed arbitrary christmas deadline politico pointing out that the, the reason they want to get it done by christmas is not because they have to but they don't want it to linger into an election year and this thing is unpopular uh democrats in tough races forced to take an unpopular vote closer and closer to an election that sort of thing but politico says this uh chuck schumer Leaped over the trap doors of a potential government shutdown and debt default. Now he has to stick the landing on one of the largest spending bills in American history. As the Senate Majority Leader checks off his chamber's list of must-pass bills, he's turning to the urgent task of passing President Joe Biden's $1.7 trillion social safety net bill before the long holiday break. Just a few obstacles lie in his way. Joe Manchin's concern over rising inflation, that's not the only thing he's concerned about in that bill, the need for total party unity, and only a few days left to meet his goal of final passage by Christmas. And oh yeah, the final deal isn't actually finished yet. Nonetheless, Democrats say Schumer is pressing forward on his repeated vows to finish work on the deal. So, uh, Jim, again, if there actually was a make-or-break moment by Christmas to get this done, we'd probably be more optimistic. But the fact that inflation keeps soaring, which we talked about on Friday— And the fact that there is no Democratic consensus on this bill months and months and months into these negotiations, I'll take that as an early Christmas present. We will take it, uh, indeed, Greg. It's funny, a a couple of days ago, I was actually listening to um, one of Tony Robbins' old routines, you know, the the certain amount of power of positive thinking and setting goals. But it makes this very interesting observation that you have this dream, you have this thing you want to do, but if you don't have a deadline, if you don't have a sense of urgency, if you don't have something that's going to say, if I don't do this by this date, it's not going to happen, then a lot of people are just never going to be that motivated. And all year long, we've seen one deadline after another, first for the infrastructure bill, which the Congress did eventually pass, but then probably more importantly for the Build Back Better legislation, come and go. And they all say, oh, we want to get it done by Labor Day. Oh, we want to get it done by this point in October. Oh, you know. And what happened, what the interesting is that when you don't have any consequence for missing a deadline, then it's not really that much of a deadline. (laughs) In order to, uh, if there's no outside force, you know, the end of a term of Congress, uh, upcoming elections, I think the closest thing you could say that there being a uh, actual deadline that was not movable, that actually might have had consequences for the Democrats, was the Virginia gubernatorial election. And Youngkin ended up winning. 
So if you don't have that, nobody really feels any pressure to, oh God, we gotta get this done. I've got some objections, but I'll take this half a loaf and that's where we are. The interesting thing is that we've been talking about this week after week, month after month, and the dynamics of it really hasn't changed. There are only 50 Democrats in the Senate. The, you know, the best case scenario for them, they'd love to get a Republican to sign on board, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen at all. Not not even Susan Collins, not even Lisa Murkowski. None, you know, a couple of Republicans are on board with the infrastructure bill. None of them are on board with Build Back Better, and I think that's a good thing. I'm glad that's the case. You know, so you need everybody, to all 50 Democrats to stay unified. Joe Manchin is just in a different spot than not just the Bernie Sanders of the world, but even arguably the, the Mark Warners of the world, the, the ones who, uh, were, whoever you would say, the, the you know Dick Durbin, Chuck Schumer, whoever you think is the center of the Democratic caucus. He just doesn't, there's, and there's no particular obligation for him to vote for this, and he thinks it's going to do some damage. So look, you know, by and large, this, you know, this, the dynamics have not changed. Uh, and one of the interesting things that's been weird about this year is it's just sense that you know Democrats just kind of believe that at some point, if they protest against uh, outside Manchin's houseboat enough, or they protest in his back in the state of West Virginia, or they threaten him with a primary challenger in West Virginia, yeah, that's going to work. Um, that that somehow, some way, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, they chase her into enough bathrooms, you know, that'll that'll change her <laughs> mind on things. One, I think it's completely backfired on them, and two, it, it's, it, nothing's happened this, so far this year. So the idea of, oh, we got a Christmas deadline. Nope, sorry, that's not going to do it. And saying, you know, otherwise we'll end up with a lump of coal in our stocking. Well, where do you think Santa gets all of his coal? From West Virginia, <laughs> that's where. Very, very good. Very good. The, the There is one factor here that the Hill picks up on, that, that at least this Politico excerpt that I saw uh, did not, and that is that the expanded child tax credit uh, expires at the end of the year. So they want to get that done in order to keep those uh, – payments going, because that's obviously been beefed up from where that provision was before. And they believe they don't get that, at least that done by December 28th. The January payments uh, may not happen or at least may not happen on time. But The Hill also reporting neither uh, Manchin nor Cinema have said yet that they support the bill and have both privately predicted it won't be ready to pass by Christmas. And so if you're still <laughs> you still don't have those two, uh, you can you can burn all the midnight oil you want to, but you're not going to get this thing done. What I think is more likely is you end up with a separate piece of legislation to pass that, you know, addressing that particular provision of the tax code. Much better chance of getting that passed than the idea of, well, we can't, the idea that, oh, we're going to hold it hostage unless, uh, you know, they sign on to everything and build back better. Sorry, that's just not enough. I just don't think it's going to be enough to get, you know, folks like Manchin and Cinema to jump on board with a piece of legislation that they've indicated over and over again they do not want to pass. Whoa, 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 Jim. You're talking about taking one issue and a piece of legislation at a time, maybe going through <laughs> regular order instead of lumping everything you've ever wanted to do into one piece of legislation? Radical. I know, I know. It's like I've never covered Capitol Hill before. All right. Well, there's trillions upon trillions of dollars to be spent if the Democrats get their way in this Build Back Better uh, legislation. Uh, like $3 trillion in extra debt over uh, a decade is what they're uh, promising at the CBO. But of course, the libs don't uh, pretend to respect the CBO anymore. But that's the what the Democrats want to do with uh, taxpayer dollars and go into a, a pile of red ink. When it comes to your own personal situation, though, you need to pay attention to the value of the dollar, which is not good right now. And there are other ways to invest to protect yourself in the long run. And that could mean gold and silver. For example, the price of silver has increased 340% since the year 2000 and continues trending higher. Universal Coin and Bullion is offering our listeners a special locked-in price 
of just $30 for a beautiful one ounce 2021 American Silver Eagle coin, which just happens to be the most popular coin in the world for collectors and investors. This limited offer is available at dealer's cost because Universal Coin wants you to own the first newly designed silver bullion coin since President Reagan signed the Gold Bullion Act in 1985. Call Universal Coin, the leaders in the precious metals industry, at 1-800-UCB-GOLD to get your beautiful U.S. Mint silver coin for only $30. Postage is free, and you can rest assured you'll be dealing with the experts. Yeah, those experts at uh, Universal Coin and Bullion are led by Dr. Mike Fulgens. He's America's gold expert, so says the federal government, and he's the 2021 Coin Dealer of the Year. They also have rare gold coins, but this special silver deal is only available using the code MARTINI. So call 800-UCB-GOLD. That's 800-UCB-GOLD. All right, Jim, let's move on to our bad martini now. And this leads off your morning jolt. Kudos to you for highlighting this story because I did not see this anywhere else over the weekend. Although, obviously, Reuters reported on it because you quote from them in the story. So the White House was holding what they called a democracy summit. And they were getting a presentation from Taiwanese digital minister Audrey Tang. And she did the unpardonable sin. Here's how Reuters says it. A video feed of a Taiwanese minister was cut during uh, President Joe Biden's Summit for Democracy last week after a map in her slide presentation showed Taiwan in a different color to China, which claims the island as its own. Sources familiar with the matter told Reuters that Friday's slideshow caused consternation among U.S. officials after the map appeared in her video feed for about a minute. The sources, who did not want to be identified due to the sensitivity of the matter, said the video feed showing Tang was cut during a panel discussion and replaced with audio only at the behest of the White House. Jim, you call them wimps with a fairly strong adjective uh, right after that poll quote from Reuters. This is the uh, administration that's going to stand up for democracy. They're going to stand up to Putin. They're going to stand up to China. And then somebody from Taiwan puts out a PowerPoint presentation and they lose their minds. Uh, indeed, Greg. The term I used for our listeners, I'll just paraphrase it as darnable, <laughs> like like your socks. You should be darning those socks. Um, so the first thing that kind of jumps out about this is that if somebody said, let's say the U.S. was doing some sort of presentation at the United Nations or something like that, and they you know, had this question of what color do we make Taiwan on the map? If we give it a driven color, then we do Taiwan, uh, the, the you know, People's Republic of China. It will be us confirming that in our perspective, we see Taiwan as an independent country. Oh, by the way, Taiwan really is an independent country. But you know, the one China policy, which is our way of trying to attempting to calm down the tensions over there, was to say, we, the United States, only see one China. But we will not say which one we see, um, which is kind of a silly, you know, strategic ambiguity. I think it was the term they had used back then. Uh, that's the Chinese government calling me, telling me to be quiet about that. If you heard that buzzing <laughs> in the background. Um, so, look, I can understand why the U.S. would not want to say or use a visual presentation that suggested we see Taiwan as independent. But it shouldn't surprise us in the slightest that a representative of the Taiwanese government thinks that the Taiwanese government is independent because they're from the Taiwanese government. They, they, this, is, this should not be a shock to us or something. And the idea that, you know, somewhere at the White House, there's somebody who's frantically saying, cut, cut the feed, cut the feed, you know, um, basically says how much our own government at a democracy summit is willing to censor itself in order to avoid offending or antagonizing 
the brutal authoritarian regime in Beijing. It, it, if I, I tweeted this out this morning, and I said, this sounds like a, a Babylon B headline, right? You know, you, uh, you, the, uh, you know, U.S. government censors Taiwan, a democracy summit. You know, that, that's unbelievable. And it does raise two, you know, people could say, oh, it, the rest of the summit went on fine. They didn't silence the representative entirely. They just didn't want the visual, pre, you know, uh, of that map there. Jim, why are you making such a big deal about this? Well, the first thing is, is that if you didn't realize ahead of time that the representative of the Taiwanese government was going to want to speak as if she was an independent government and probably have some sort of visual aid that indicates she she didn't go up with the Chinese flag, right? I mean, she went with the People's Republic of China flag. She went up there with the Taiwanese flag. So the idea that well, you shouldn't be surprised by any of this. And the second thing is, if you are afraid to have a Taiwanese government representative speaking her mind in a way that might irritate, irk, or antagonize the Chinese government, keep in mind, like Taiwanese government representatives irk Beijing by existing, right? They don't have to use incendiary rhetoric or, or anything like that. Why are you hosting the democracy summit? What is the point then? You know, the whole point is to say, look at us. We are uniting these democracies. We're willing to stand up for democracies, but not if it pisses off Beijing. Oh, no, we can't do that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Then we gotta be... It's ridiculous. And it is another reflection going back to, you know, you saw this in the uh, controversy over Hong Kong and how the NBA arenas started taking away people's banners that said Google Uyghurs, right? And free Hong Kong and stand up for human rights. And all, all of a sudden, we have not planted our values over there in China they have succeeded in planting their values, oppressiveness, suppression of dissent, suppression of speech. They've implanted their values in us. Interacting with China has been terrible for us. And even in the administration that wants to pat itself on the back and talk about, oh my goodness, America is back and we're leaders on the world stage. Even the Biden administration is afraid of offending the Chinese government. Could we project more weakness? around the world. I mean, honestly, from Afghanistan to what we've seen lately with respect to Russia and Ukraine, it looked like they were going to be tough. And then Biden's suggesting, yeah, why don't you just give them land and, and maybe they'll go away. And uh, and now, oh, yeah, we totally got your back, Taiwan. Oh, unless you put up a map where you're a different color. So uh, how much how much confidence do you think the Taiwanese government has in us uh, having their back right now? Greg, this administration is tough on China, except in cartography. <laughs> Oh, well, you know what you don't have to rely on China for? To get awesome bedding and other products from MyPillow because they're made right here in the United States. And look, not only do you not have to have your stuff made in China, you don't have to get it sent from China or anywhere else because, you know, you've got, we've got these global supply chain issues and, and back orders and stuff. Well, MyPillow, their stuff is in stock, no back orders, no delayed shipping. All their products are ready for you to order. And look, Christmas is now less than two weeks away. I know, it's kind of crept up on us here, but you can get the awesome sheets, towels, slippers. I absolutely love the slippers, but I really like them all, the Giza Dream Sheets. So uh, if you are looking for something to get for the people you love and you know you don't have a lot of days left to do it, my pillow is the way to go. Did you just say Christmas is less than two weeks away? I did, Jim. Ah! <laughs> Because the MyPillow is made 100% right here in the United States, and they have built a huge inventory to ensure their customers have gifts for everyone, there are no supply chain issues, no delays, and no backlog. Christmas is not canceled at MyPillow. 
This holiday shopping season, has they are full stock on all items on their website. Everything from the My Pillows at their lowest price ever to sheets, slippers, robes, and now cardigans. All in stock and all ready to ship fast. My Pillow is your one-stop shop for everyone on your list. Shop with confidence knowing that you'll receive your gifts on time with no issues. All My Pillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. As I mentioned, I love all the products. I think the slippers are my favorite. I've actually gotten to the point now where I actively look for them just to walk around the house, which I never would have done before. That's how much I enjoy using those. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials for specials like buy one, get one on Giza Dream Sheets or the lowest price ever on the MyPillow premiums when you use promo code Martini. Or call 800-874-0104. Do not miss the sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com. Promo code Martini or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, Jim. Uh, Sunday morning talk shows probably aren't quite what they used to be in terms of uh, people watching and and ratings and news generations, but they they still are a, a very big deal in terms of media and newsmakers usually still want to be on them. Got some pretty big news at the end of Fox News Sunday yesterday, not from a guest, but from the host, Chris Wallace. Here's how he signed off in what I have come to understand was a shock to even his own crew. After 18 years, this is my final Fox News Sunday. It is the last time, and I say this with real sadness, we will meet like this. 18 years ago, the bosses here at Fox promised me they would never interfere with a guest I booked or a question I asked, and they kept that promise. But after 18 years, I have decided to leave Fox. I want to try something new to go beyond politics to all the things I'm interested in. I'm ready for a new adventure, and I hope you'll check it out. Well, Jim, he didn't say where he was going, but uh, that mystery was solved, I think, in the next uh, few minutes, because over at CNN, Brian Stelter explained where Wallace was going. I mentioned at the top of the hour, Chris Wallace surprising everyone by leaving Fox News. Well, it turns out he is joining CNN, specifically to become an anchor on CNN Plus. That's the streaming service that's going to be launching in early 2022. Well, first of all, Jim, I think this means that Chris Wallace will hit for the media cycle. He's worked for ABC NBC, uh, Fox News, and now CNN. I don't know that he worked for CBS, but his dad did, so at least the Wallace family has completed the uh, the full broadcast and cable media cycle here. Wallace is uh, heading to, obviously, a place that has far worse ratings. Um, maybe he didn't uh, see eye-to-eye with the leadership and where some of the other programs were going there. He's obviously a strong anti-Trump guy. So uh, what do you make of uh, Wallace departing, and, uh, and where's he going? Yeah, so I, I have a very mild personal, uh, I guess, uh, disclosure here. I don't know Chris Wallace well, but I've you know, seen him at uh, been you know seen him in the Fox News green room every now and then. I was at a party with him uh, a bunch of years ago. Always struck me as a, a top tier newsman, a terrific interviewer. I think very highly of him. I think we can debate his moderation of the presidential debate between Trump and Biden. I think it went completely off the rails. Yep. I think. A, a lot of that is on President Trump and this, like, you know, relentlessly interrupting, combative, blustering, you know, attitude that he was taking, which, oh, by the way, now we know the president was uh, had COVID at the time. So maybe that was a factor in how that night went. Um, so last yesterday afternoon, as, as the news broke, people, a lot of Trump fans were, were, you know, cheering and glad to see it go and, you know, metaphorically spiking the football and all that stuff. And I'm not happy to see him go. 
Uh, I think he, you know, Fox News was better for having him do it. I think with the departure of Tim Russert, he probably was the best or toughest interviewer on the Sunday morning shows. And I think you're in the point in the beginning of this segment uh, that Sunday shows just aren't what they used to be is is accurately the case. And, and I think the country and our politics are worse for it. I don't I think people don't want to be subjected to tough questions. And I don't think that the hosts want to ask as many tough questions. Uh, Chris Wallace certainly did not fear asking tough questions of everybody who came on his program. That said, I'm not thrilled to see the news that he's going to CNN Plus. Um, a lot of people weren't aware that there was such a thing as CNN Plus. And I just <laughs> want to separately point out, you know, I don't really think there's that much of a need for separate streaming services different from what we get on the original networks. I don't know what the point of Peacock is other than to say, hey, you know all those shows that you aren't watching on NBC? We've got more of them on a streaming service that you may or may not be watching. Look, maybe CNN Plus takes off and it's terrific and great. And if they, if, it, if that's the case, wonderful. But look, we all know the reputation that CNN has. We all know the reputation that MSNBC has. People who already don't like him are going to say, oh, he's going to CNN. He's, you know, showing that he was always a liberal. And, and there he goes. I don't think Chris Wallace is necessarily a liberal, but I think going from Fox News to an institution that really defined itself by, you know, vehement over the top opposition to Trump. And that, oh, by the way, has had some <clears throat> unpleasant uh, chapters in its history recently, thinking of Chris Cuomo and the coverage of Andrew Cuomo and stuff like that. Uh, look, if Chris, if, if, if Wallace goes to CNN plus and ends up doing some bang up terrific journalism and really hard interviews and he surprises people, terrific, great. I suspect there are a lot of people who became Chris Wallace fans just in the last year or two or so because of that debate and who actually are going to be surprised that he's probably going to ask some tough questions to Democrats too. And then all of a sudden he'll become that right winger from Fox News who's trying to sabotage Democrats or anything and stuff. So I, I wish him well in this new endeavor. I also wonder how many people will be watching CNN Plus. I kind of wonder if he's, he's what, 73, 74 now, something like that? Yep, 74. 74? Okay. Like, I kind of wonder also if some of this is you downshift to a different kind of show with maybe an easier schedule. Um, and if that's what he wants to do, hey, God bless him. He's got every right to do that. So I wish him well. I, I just don't know if anytime somebody who's perceived as being um, insufficiently right or insufficiently pro-Trump or something like that goes from Fox News to another network, then it probably it feeds the perception that, ah, oh, they were... They were liberals all along or something like that. Well, the proof will be in the pudding of how he conducts his interviews and how he conducts himself at CNN+. Plus. If it's the same Wallace we've always got, terrific. I think he's a great guy. I, I think the perception will be that this is now becoming much more of a Tucker Carlson network and that the folks who weren't necessarily on board with everything in, uh, what was that documentary, you know, Targeting Patriots or whatever it was, the, you know, the, the basically the Tucker Carlsonization of Fox News is proceeding apace. And I don't think that's necessarily healthy because it was always good to have both Sean Hannity and the Brett Bears, the uh, Brit Humes and the other folks who were straight news guys. Wallace was a news guy. I think he did a really good job of what he did. And he's going to he'll be now much he'll be, being on CNN. He will be perceived as liberal, regardless of however he actually characterizes himself. Well, now the mad scramble is on for who replaces them on Fox News Sunday. You'll notice that Jim and I conducted an interview just last week. Uh, we both uh, have conducted plenty of other interviews uh, as time goes on. Just saying, I'm guessing since we're not in the Fox family at this point, we're probably not on the short list, Jim. But, you know, just throwing it out there. You would be terrific, Greg. I don't think... Uh... <laughs> 
you know, you because you're a very polite listener, and you and you 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 know let your guests answer fully. The interviews you've done with the veterans have been terrific. My ability to uh, back when I was on CNN, I think they used to keep a camera on me just for the facial reactions I would make. <laughs> Whenever someone uttered something that I thought was uh, BS, including one time I kind of got in trouble for rather vigorously rolling my eyes. And <laughs> I think I actually sprained an optic nerve. I did it so hard. So anyway, so one. yes, Fox News, if you're looking for it, Greg would be a terrific, terrific pick. Me, not so much. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for that endorsement. I'll make you a regular panelist. How's that? There you go. Yes. Next week on Things That Will Never Happen, Jim and I will be talking about... <laughs> Our head coaching debuts in the NFL next season or something. Um, Anyway, on that note, have a good Monday. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, Do subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about us as well. We're very grateful for your five-star ratings, your kind reviews. Remember to get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us on Tuesday for the next 3 Martini Lunch. Hi, this is Greg Corumbus, and I'm here with Dr. Mike Fulgens. He's the president of Universal Coin and Bullion. Mike was recently named the 2021 Dealer of the Year by the American Numismatic Association. Mike, given all the uh, economic uncertainty right now, what's your forecast for gold and silver in the months ahead? I think people should immediately get gold and silver in their portfolio now. And if they have it, increase the percentages by 5 to 10%. The World Gold Council recommends a 10 to 20% portion of your portfolio be in gold. It's life insurance for the rest of your portfolio. And I predict gold and silver to be up 10 to 30% by 2022 due to inflation, the increasing debt, and other factors of uncertainty. And uncertainty drives gold and silver. If you think we're going to have more uncertainty over the next year, buy gold and silver. It's going up, in my opinion. Dr. Mike Fulgens is recognized as America's gold expert by the U.S. government. Contact Mike and his team of professionals at Universal Coin and Bullion to own your gold and silver coins now. Call 1-800-UCB-GOLD.